You're listening to Country Life with Keith Fahey on Galway Bay FM. Good evening, I'm Keith Fahey and welcome to this week's edition of Country Life on the show this week. We're delighted to have Tom Gleeson, a beef advisor with Chagas on the upcoming Future of Beef event they're having in County Clare. We'll also have Maureen Kilgrove uh, from the Irish Agroforestry and the upcoming event they're having in Hedford there uh, about incorporating forestry into existing uh, grazing swards. So that should be quite interesting. And we also have Rebecca Hall who is doing a postdoctorate research uh, with Terra Soils there. And they've also analysed up to 10,000 soil sample results there in relation to the Terra project in which they're working on. So, uh, you know, soil as fertility uh, is a very important issue there. So she's going to talk to us a little bit about Irish soils, maybe, and how we can maybe do a little bit better on those uh, and improve our soil fertility as well. And she's going to explain to some of the research in which she's been doing there in uh, in Chagas and Johnstown uh, Castle Estate there in Wexford. So looking at some Mart reports this week, uh, Lockray Mart, sheep sale, hogging numbers are getting a bit tighter in the hoggage yard, but the trade is uh, remaining very high. Um, Thursday's top price of 193 for 53 kilos. Factory agents are keen for sheep as numbers are getting tighter. Uh, 32 kilos selling for 122, 3, uh, 381 a kilo. Uh, 35 kilos selling at 108 uh, Colio's at 66 kilos selling for 100, uh, 72 kilos selling at 128, 88.5 kilos selling for 131, Yos and Lambs topped out at 265 and there's a sheep sale every Thursday at 10.30am looking at the cattle Friday whaling sale saw a fine strong trade with whaling heifers making up to 5 euros uh, per kilo there and whaling bulls up to 3.44 per kilo, heifers at uh, Charlie heifer at 2.20 kilos selling for 6.80 or 3.09 a kilo, 3 limousines at 2.25 a kilo, uh, uh, 20, 225 kilos selling for 850 or 378 a kilo. Looking at some whaling bulls, two limousines at 160 sold for 800 or 5 euros a kilo. There's a phenomenal price uh, for 160 kilo limousines, uh, 800 euro. Uh, 250 kilo Charlie's selling for 810 or 324. Whaling sales saw uh, every Friday evening. Whaling sales every Friday evening at 6pm. Last Saturday saw the annual spring cattle show and sale take place with the full yard of exceptional cattle offer in Lockray Mart. Uh, the quality of cattle is a massive credit to all the sellers uh, which got rewarded with extremely hot trade both uh, ringside by feedlot agents and factory agents and a strong northern presence online. Uh, prices reached new heights uh, with prices exceeding 3,000 euro on three different occasions and over 2,500 on six occasions and over 2,000 on 58 occasions with only 6 lots unsold on the day it meant with a 99% clearance was achieved. Cold cows uh, crossed the 3 euro per kilo bracket uh, and a top price of 2,680 was achieved for a, n- a 925 kilo Charlie cold cow. A Charlie through 2014 born 645 kilo selling for 233 a kilo at 1500 euro and a limousine at two, uh, or 2018 born selling for uh, 665 kilo selling for 1720 so some uh, great prices there forward bulls went up to 1800 um, uh, two Charlie bull, uh, bar, 22 born bulls at 585 kilo selling for 1700 euros or 291 a kilo Charlie 22 born 625 kilo selling for 1880 uh, Charlie 22 born 635 kilo selling for 1660 euro and there's a very large entry of heifers made with an eager demand in particular for the beef heifers top prices of 3260 euro was paid for a Charlie 935 Five kilo and uh, three Charlies at three hundred and fifty-two kilo, selling for twelve sixty or three fifty-eight a kilo. Uh, the bullocks were no different with the top qualities. Uh, top quality on offer here. Agents were exceptionally eager for uh, with uh, only one lot uh, unsold. Top price of three thousand two hundred was paid for a Charlie bullock weighing nine hundred and thirty-five kilos. Two cemental crosses at five fifty-five kilo, selling for eighteen hundred or three twenty-four a kilo. Two limousines at five sixty kilo, sold for eighteen hundred or three twenty-one a kilo. A massive thank you to everyone who's 
supported the cattle show. Thanks to the sellers for providing top quality cattle um, uh, for your continued support to Lockray Mart. Thank you to all the buyers who travelled from all over Ireland to uh, the online auction, including customers from Northern Ireland. And a massive thank you to Whelan's Garage for being the main sponsor uh, and to Coraboyle, Lockray and Lakeside Veterinary Clinic for sponsoring the show as well. Uh, so that's a report in there from the Lockray Mart and uh, uh, waning sales commence again uh, Friday evening at 6pm cattle sales every Saturday at 10.30am and to book call 091 so that was from the Lockray Mart report uh, looking at the Mount Bellew Mart I uh, have sent us uh, details there of the um, uh, Friday gone by where they launched the, the shearing the Keep Back All Ireland All Nation Sheep Shearing Wool Handling Championship on the 1st of March there 2024 hosted by the Mount Bellew Mart in conjunction with the Mount Bellew Agricultural College, the Keepak All Ireland, and All Nation Sheep Shearing and Wool Handling will still take place on the June Bank Holiday Weekend, the 1st of June uh, to the 2nd of June 2024 this year on the grounds of Montbellu Mart. And that is coming from Oliver Noon there from the Montbellu Mart. We also had Brian McHale on from Montbellu Mart there uh, last week promoting the event and our sympathies to Brian and the passing of his father there as well. So uh, may he rest in peace. Um, also, just uh, looking at some Tune Mart uh, report. Uh, so yesterday, some uh, uh, some excellent prices there achieved in Tune Mart again yesterday. So yesterday, the 4th of March, some sample cow prices included a 730 kilo Charlie Cross um, selling for 1670 or 229 a kilo, a 775 kilo Albrecht cow making 2050 euro, and a 515 kilo Sailor Cross uh, selling for 1440 euro or 2 euros and 80 cent a kilo, 765 kilo Charlie cow made 18 10 or 237 a kilo and looking at some sample heifer prices from yesterday on the sale in Tume a 325 kilo limousine heifer made 970 or 298 a kilo a pair of 385 kilo limousine heifers made 1070 or 278 a kilo and looking at a 465 kilo Aberdeen Angus cross heifer making 1240 or 267 a kilo uh, some sample bullock prices included a 370 kilo Charlie uh, making 1150 or 311 a kilo a 600 kilo Aberdeen Angus selling for 1920 and a 765 kilo Charlie selling for 2,340. And uh, next week we'll see the return of the fortnightly whaling sale as well uh, in Tune Mart. So that's just uh, an update there from um, the Tune Mart for the sale gone by yesterday. Uh, we also got a, a message, a press release in there from Agri Aware. Uh, week one of Agri Aware's farm walk and talk series na- uh, sees 900 students visit farms in Donegal, Tipperary, and Offaly. Agri Aware, alongside event partners of its farm walk and talk series, uh, closed week one with the high of 900 students attending three events last week the AgriAware team kicked off uh, the series in County Donegal on Tuesday last February the 27th where the team welcomed 240 students on the farm of Peter Lynch and the family onto their beef and tillage farm on Wednesday February the 28th it was a trip to County Tipperary where the AgriAware team and Gurching Agricultural College welcomed 310 students to the farm lastly on Thursday February the 29th it was the turn of the Irish Farmers Journal Beef and Sheep Demonstration Farm the Tullamore Farm uh, to host the week events uh, where 350 students were welcomed to the farm. Across the three events, the AgriAware team was, was joined by event partners Chagas and Irish Farmers Journal, as well as a number of patrons, including Grassland Agro, Arabon Co-op, ABP, Dawn Meats, Keepak, Turlon, and MSD Animal Health in delivering talks and demonstrations to Leaving Certificate Agricultural Science students. Uh, speaking at the conclusion of the week, uh, AgriAware's uh, Executive Director Marcus O'Halloran said, it's been a brilliant start to the AgriAware Farm Walk and Talk Series for 2024. We met with over 
over 900 students over the course of three days and the feedback from students and teachers has been excellent thus far. Uh, the AgriWare team event partners and patrons came together uh, to really put on a fantastic interactive engaging talks and demonstrations that have provided students with practical knowledge and from speaking to some students a desire to pursue a career in agricultural industry in the agricultural industry. We look forward to meeting uh, students in Clonakilty, uh, the Slazian and Mobelio Agricultural Colleges this week and hope uh, that the same experience the 900 students have will be met. Uh, AgriAware, the Farming Independent and Agri-Food uh, uh, Educational Body is a charitable uh, trust whose mission is to improve the image and understanding of ag- agriculture, farming and the food industry. So that's for AgriAware to convey the importance of the agri-food industry among the general public and to bridge the gap between the producer and the consumer. AgriAware delivers high-impact educational and public awareness initiatives uh, and project for uh, students and the general public. Uh, so that's uh, some interesting uh, information there. And there's uh, more farm walk and talk dates and venues there coming up as well. Uh, Wednesday the 6th, uh, Palace Ginry, Chagas, Salazian College, um, the 5th of uh, in, in Clonakilty. Uh, Thursday the 7th of March, uh, Montbellio. Uh, and Friday the 8th of March, Montbellio Agricultural College. And Wednesday the 13th, uh, Eastie Lions Farm. The 4th, uh, Seas Bally Hayes. The 14th, Seas Bally Hayes. The 15th, Seas Grange, Chagas Agricultural College, County Meath. Um, and Wednesday the 20th, Seas Moor Park, Chagas Research College in County Cork. Thursday the 21st of March, Seas Kildalton Agricultural College. And Friday the 22nd is Kildalton again. For more information, um, uh, they can be got there in agriaware.ie uh, as well. So well done to AgriAware and all involved there. Uh, fantastic to see 900 students uh, getting so involved in Irish agriculture. So a, a credit to them and everyone involved. Uh, fantastic uh, to see. So we hope they keep up the good work. Uh, just looking at some interesting articles there in relation to the Chagas um, today's farm. Um, writes Elaine Levy, who is a Chagas organic specialist and in the heart of Chagas organic advisor and Mark Moore. Um, so with 379 organic farms in the country, six per- only 6% of the national total Roscommon is second only to Cork uh, for the number of farmers who have opted to go organic. So interesting figures there. Um, so there's a, 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 an article there done and the Rossies are going uh, organic. Um, so looking, they're talking there uh, to uh, producer Jim O'Connor with his wife Martina. Jim farms in the townland of Ballymore just south of Boyle and they visited the O'Connors and three other far- farm, Roscommon farming organically. Um, in, uh, they have made the switch from conventional farming there so uh, interesting article there for anyone who wants to look it up online um, so Jim was a beef producer all his life um, is one of 2,000 farmers who following the transition entered the uh, Department of Agriculture Food and the Mean Organic Farming Scheme on the 1st of January 2023 there are now more than 5,000 organic farmers in the country more will be needed to meet the government's goal of 10% of land farmed organically by 2030 and his farm consists of 62 hectares divided into 4 blocks with the furthest 25 kilometres away. Uh, the suckler bread herd consists of Charlie Cross cows and, Aberdeen Angus, uh, and an Aberdeen Angus bull. Jim also buys wanings often uh, at monthly organic livestock sales held in Drum Chambo, Roscommon and Elfin Marts. Most of the animals are finished on the farm some are sold as stores. So first up on Country Life this evening we're delighted of Rebecca Hall. Uh, so Rebecca you're working as part of the Terra Soil Project. Uh, maybe you might give a little background to some of our listeners and maybe explain uh, maybe what the Terra Soil Project is. Yeah, absolutely. So the Terra Soil Project is a collaboration with uh, Geological Survey Island in Chagas, um, looking at the ground survey. So the GSI have sampled 10,000 samples in the top half of Ireland on a 4x4 kilometre grid, 
looking at the difference in geochemistry. And what Chagas have done is we've took all of those soil samples and we've analysed them for agronomic tests, so your nutrient tests, your pH, organic matter and texture and stuff like that. So we can develop new um, agronomic indicators to look at soil health. Okay, very good. And uh, are you finding much of a variation between the results that you're getting? Absolutely. So the most interesting thing of Ireland is um, the geology is very heterogeneous and because soils formed by um, the rocks underneath it, the, the difficulty in soil analysis is that samples vary widely over Ireland. So in one part of Ireland, you might get a, a certain result and it'll be completely some different somewhere else. So what we've been looking at is um, what we've been looking at is the difference between uh, different regions and island for different nutrient status. So yeah, we've had we've had huge differences in the results. Okay, and what exactly is measured there? You mentioned uh, soil organic matter and pH are two of them, I think. Yeah, soil pH and organic matter, but as long with with nutrients as well. So mainly phosphorus in the soil. So we've been looking at. Okay, okay. So we'll say when farmers uh, get their usual soil tested, uh, pH, uh, phosphorus and potassium would be the, uh, the, the, I suppose, the three main uh, soil fertility indicators. So you're obviously looking very closely at those uh, ones as well, I presume. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, we've noticed in the soils that um, that pH so is, is very different as you go down the samples in Ireland, the same as phosphorus. So the way that the survey was done was it started in 2011 and samples were taken up towards like Donegal and the broader areas and the GSI made the way down Ireland and stopped just south of Galway um, in the Midlands there. So because pH, phosphorus and potassium all change depending on management, you know, they could change one day to another depending on fertiliser or lime going on the field. What we were mainly looking at is um, how the soil type and the geology would change the behaviour of, um, for example, phosphorus. So phosphorus might act differently in one part of Ireland than it would in another, depending on the geochemistry. Okay, right. And how what would um, how would it uh, vary in one area versus another? Is it, or would would ra- have you found maybe that rainfall maybe uh, in different parts of the country would affect any of these? Or what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. So the rainfall would definitely affect the pH. So you always find on the West Coast where you got a lot more rain, you'd have um, a lower pH. But what we found with phosphorus is that um, it's directly linked to aluminium, which would naturally occur in the soil. Um, so where you have high aluminium, you would have really high absorption of phosphorus. So if you've got high aluminium, the more fertiliser you would put on the soil, it would just kind of you know, collect in the soil, it might not necessarily be available straight away to the plant. Where if you have low aluminium, then the, the, the phosphorus you put on the soil would have like really high phosphorus bioavailability for the plant. Um, so we found that there's a huge difference between the landscape with aluminium and how that affects phosphorus. Okay, so we kind of hear of iron pan or aluminium pan. Is that kind of what you're referring to there? That it kind of it's a nearly almost like a layer of, we'd say, impermeable kind of a layer below the soil. Some farmers use subsoilers to maybe alleviate this problem, or is, would it be similar to the iron pan as the aluminium pan, or would it be slightly different, uh, Rebecca? Um, it would be slightly different. So it would be the um, the actual chemical in the soil. So it would even be, do you know, in the top twenty centimeters of the soil. 
So the way the soils formed, some of the soils would have a really high content of aluminium that would that would be there. Um, so it would be more, you know, um, up on the border areas in the east, as you around that area, you know, down to Dublin and areas would would have the high aluminium. Then the further south you go, like just down past Galway, down past Dub- uh, the south of Dublin, would have the low aluminium. So it's it's based on the soil formation. Okay, and just in relation to the phosphorus, there were you seeing much difference maybe between a uh, type of farming system? We'd say, uh, maybe would you, would there be higher phosphorus in, we'd say, higher stock dairy farms, or what was your thoughts on that in relation to the phosphorus? So, where there would be additions to phosphorus from um, agriculture, there would definitely be uh, more phosphorus in the system. So. Um, we did look at the, the census from, you know, around the time that the samples were taken. So um, you would have a bit more phosphorus in there. So the problem with phosphorus that we, that we have in the high stocking areas is if you do have this huge amount of aluminium, what's happening is the phosphorus is going into the soil and it's, it's just staying there instead of being taken up by the plant. So some areas... Um, which would have a lot of you know high stock and density. They might have really high total phosphorus, but it's not available to the plant. So just slight amendments you could make, like lime in the soils, would make that phosphorus more available. So you don't have to to add the fertilizer. You just really need to manage the soil slightly different. Okay, and uh, we'll say the data that you have uh, collected is it available? Um, uh, you might actually give us a, um, a little bit of information on the conference actually as well that you're having coming up. Yeah, absolutely. So the conference is on the twelfth of April um, in Ashtown in Dublin. So we're going to be presenting all of the results from the project there, and just after then we'll make all of the data available. So the data that's currently available is um, the the total elements, so all of your elements that you can analyse or you can get this data on the GSI website or any of our data. So we've got pH, um, organic matter, all of your available nutrients, available aluminium and iron. All of those will be available just to download on the Chagas and the GSI website just after the conference. Okay, very good. That's on the 12th of April in Ashtown there. And uh, maybe just a, a, a question for you there in relation to the soils, you know, uh, I suppose, is there much, we see, I suppose, a, a big variance of different types of soils in Ireland and maybe you may, might maybe talk about maybe a little bit on the history or the uh, the introduction of soils in Ireland. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so this, like I said before, the soils are um, made from weathering of rock. So Ireland has a really unique soil geology. It had three successive glaciations which formed the soils. So although Ireland's got quite small land mass, it's got a really high diversity of soil types. So they've been categorised and we have around 230 different soil series. So no matter where you go in Ireland, it is very diverse. And again, so from say over in the, the western areas where you have a lot higher rainfall intensity, it's created these huge peatlands. When more in the Midlands, you've got the mountainous regions where you would have the much shallower soils where they wouldn't be quite as productive. To over on the east coast and the southeast where you've got quite fertile soils, um, so you can have a lot more arable farming there, not just the grassland farms. Okay, very good. Rebecca, it was lovely to having you, having you on. So you might just maybe mention when the conference is on and the time of it again for anyone maybe that may be interested in looking it up. 
Yeah, so it's on the 12th of April in Ashtown in Dublin, starting at 10 o'clock and finishing around one, half one. Very good. Thanks very much, uh, Rebecca, for coming on uh, Country Life. So next up on Country Life, we're delighted with Thomas Gleeson, a Chagas Business and Technology Advisor with Innes, uh, County Clare. Um, you have a big event coming up, uh, Thomas, there um, on the 21st of March. You might tell us maybe a little bit about the farm and when the walk is on. Yeah, hello, Keith. And th- th- thanks for having me, Keith. And um, yeah, it's, it's, obviously I'm from County Clare and working in Innes, County Clare, and the event we have is County Clare. However, it's relevant to a lot of farms in Galway, a lot of suckler farms in Galway, and it's a suckler farmer event. Um, so it's basically it's a future beef farmer which is um, under the signpost um, program I'd say and the farmer is J- James and Joanne Skihan, um in a place called Bay Nevin just outside a town called Killaloo, um on Thursday 21st of, um, of this month at 2pm and I suppose what I should point out is there are only a few miles from Killaloo town and Killaloo is very famous at the moment for Blackshore that famous um, RT drama that's on Sunday nights so um, a scenic spot um, plenty of cafes and things to do and maybe you could merge one with the other Okay. Maybe, maybe everyone could win. Very uh, good. Just, very yeah. good. Very good. Yeah, definitely. Something else to to talk about and for people to see. Um, you're a beef advisor yourself with uh, Chagas. So is it mostly beef adv- uh, farmers you're dealing with, or is it a, or a mix, uh, Thomas? <laughs> Uh, to be honest, mostly beef, Keith, mostly beef. Um, but yeah, work, uh, my, my history, I suppose, I, I worked in Mayo once upon a time and then made, made my way to Clare, but working in West Clare um, with dairy farmers for a long, long period of time and then moved across to Twinnis, working with dry stock beef farmers now. But, but the job, um, no different to a lot of advisors, is um, very much focused on schemes such as the skip and acres and uh, we do a, bit of, do a bit of work in the burn as well, in the burn scheme. So, But uh, this part of the job is the future beef programme. Um, so I get to work with with, with the Skihans on that and, and, and work, work with the Future Beef team. So it's very much te- te- technology-driven side of the house. So it's nice to... It's a mixed job. It's a mixed job, but it's good. It's good to have a bit of everything. Very good. And for people maybe who may be unfamiliar with uh, the Future Beef programme, I suppose, what is it maybe? What are the aims of the programme, uh, Thomas? Yeah, so the Future Beef is an initiative that Chag has put together a few, um, number of years back. Um, I think it's pretty much the third year and it's running now. Um, it's kind of under what the, the guise of what they call the Signpost Programme. So under the Signpost Programme, there's about 100 commercial, far- 100 re- commercial farms in the country put in um, to see if they could farm in a sustainable manner. So the, ob- the objective being that they... Um, you know, that they, they can be they, they can be sustainable and profitable. Um, they can reduce the greenhouse gases, reduce ammonia emissions, improve water quality, and improve biodiversity. You know, while farming under under the regular standards. So, 100 farmers countrywide were put into that cross between tillage, dairy, um, finishing systems, and dairy to beef. Um, but the 20 suckler farmers were put in. Um, along with two, um, along with two non-commercial beef farms, so the twenty suckler and, and there are there are all sucklers, and there these 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 are the suckler farms under the suckler umbrella are known as the future beef farmers. So actually, in your own region, there, Keith, there's a few, um, there's a good few future beef farmers that are not far from you. Okay. Um, obviously, James and Joanne in there are just outside Kellew. Um, up, up in Headford, there you have Michael and Niall Biggins. Um, you've Olivia Hines there in the Four Roads in Roscommon. You've Shane Keaveney there in Banlock in Roscommon, and the Newford Farm um, was also um, is also no one know Newford Farm gone from Baton Rye out to Roscommon as well. And then you've uh, famously Angus Fahey in Ardrahan. Yeah. So these are all future beef farmers who are suckler cows who are actually involved in this program who are trying to hit these targets whilst maintaining a sustainable lifestyle. I would say with the farm. 
Yes, very good. We had Angus Afahi on uh, actually last year as well. He had a, a farm walk on his farm along with his uh, sister Jacinta as well. They're both actually ag science teachers as well and they brought out uh, a lot of their students uh, for Angus's walk that day. And uh, Angus actually also has an interesting article in uh, this week's uh, uh, Farmers uh, in, uh, Farming Independent last week, I should say. Um, and also maybe just a little bit more on the Skihan farm, uh, Thomas. Maybe just tell us a little bit more about that. What is the fam- family set up, we'll say, and is there any farm jobs in relation to the farm? Yeah, but the, 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 the schemes, um, you mentioned there, Angus, like, you know, the, the, the working, as, as teaching ag science, like, and working, trying to, to balance balance um, a full-time job with the farm, and, and, and the schemes are, are very similar to that. Um, James and Joanne, um, a young couple, um, two young children, um, what, Nellie and McCartan, um, they're, they're, I suppose they're, they're both they both have full time jobs. Um, James works shift work, and Joanne works self employed. So um, they're reaching a stage in life, I suppose, where um, the, the, the children had arrived. The, the time pressures were getting more, and the old generation were become, input from the old generation was becoming less and less. Um, you know, because for, for, obviously people want to enjoy life. Now, James's father, Bass, is a great help on the farm as well, um, but they can't lean on that forever. So you know, so they kind of said, right, what are we going to do here? Do you know how are we going to make this more sustainable? So. Um, that so yeah, so basically that's pretty much um, how they linked in with, with the future beef program. There would say um, what they're farming on the ground. Um, 20, 30, 30 hectares, case, um, and the thirty hectares is broken into three different blocks. Um, they've got nineteen hectares at the home farm where the sheds are. That's side of a hill, maybe side of a mountain, depending on who you're talking to for what part of the country. Um, so clay type ground, a few springs breaking out, a few good fields, a few bad fields. Silage is made there, and the suckler cows are run there. There's now farmed in about nine hectares of grassland. That's 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 James and Joanne invested in infrastructure and paddocks and water and mid um, water trucks in the whole system there to run the stores. And um, and then the other out farmed in is only 2.4 hectares, but it's a good block of ground. Uh, they typically just run silage on that and three times a year, and they've changed it, put that into red and white clover last year. So they're they're trying that out. And by even putting in, in clover and not, not having to put in nitrogen out there, just run it with slurry. That saved their um, nitrogen input, chemical nitrogen input into the farm by thirty percent. So that's the three, the three blocks. Um, just to say, there um, before I just kicked off, I suppose they used to just run the twenty-five cows and sell the sucklers, sell the calves as weanlings. Um, but but the focus was the land was there, you know, coming that coming coming not mainstream, and so they got into the paddock system just to help with labour, but also it helped with grass utilisation, and they're able to keep on the stores. And last year, last number of years, they're selling stores. But last year, they actually, for the first time, they finished a few cattle. So they're looking at that side. And we may even have someone there to, to comment on finishing cattle on today as well. Okay, very good. Um, so they're, they're 25 uh, suckler cows. Uh, they used to sell whalings, and now they've kind of moved towards, we'd say, finishing the cattle. Um, you mentioned as well, I suppose, the fact that they've uh, put in paddocks in the nine hectares and a water trot there as well probably really helps the, the, the farm in relation to growing grass and keeping that extra stock. Oh, it does, it does. And I suppose there's a few, there's a, there's a journey here, like there's a few less, I mean, you do farm that was low stock that was only being grazed maybe once every two months, would say, or a bit, even maybe a bit less, a bit more than that, I would say. And then you're, 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 you're closing it and you're, you're paddocking it and you're looking for the cattle to get in now there once every three to four weeks. Um, so there was a big focus here on soil sampling and the land did need an injection of, 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 of fertilizer, you know, phosphorus and potash to, to bring it right. Plus it also needed a lot of lime. And that's work that James and Joanne have been doing for the last number of years, and that's coming right now. 
Um, so grass is starting to show a bit of vigour and starting to come right in the farm. So the stock numbers only increase as the farm could handle it. Um, you know, so at, at, at the moment they're, they're, they're growing well. Um, I suppose other things there in the programme there that, 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 that they've changed. I mean, like James and Joanne were hungry for technical knowledge and to, to see if they could implement it and how it was done and do it right. So we can read up on stuff so much, but to actually physically do it and be confident to do it are two separate things. So that's that's the leap they're doing at the moment. Um, they purchase weighing scales and they weigh the cattle every month. And if the cattle aren't hitting the targets, well, then they know there's something wrong. So the first thing they tend to do is um, take a dung sample. So this, they got used to taking taking dung samples, sending them off. The first year of it, they diagnosed rumor fluke was a problem in the herd. And it keeps popping up every now and again. Um, so they, they, they've, so they, they, they're having a robust herd health plan was a big part of it. Um, Grass measuring, another part, or just understanding grass purchasing a lot better and grass utilisation. Um, obviously, they, they've implemented a lot of things from a sustainable point of view, which is low, low input, uh, low emission slurry spreading, protected urea, um, fencing off the watercourses, planting hedges. Um, or so they, what's got um, the joint acres, and by joint acres, it made a clear division on all ground that there's no point pushing. Leave it be and let it be nature ground and take a few grazings. But they also have productive ground that they can push and they can receive it or they can focus on production from that side. So the farm is farmed in a two-tier system, which when you look at old programs, that, that was never the case. It was seen as the whole farm program. So there's a few things there, a lot of things there actually. Okay, yeah. So you're really kind of maybe driving on the more productive ground while, you know, having the best of both worlds by claiming the acre scheme as well and maybe the low input or extensive grazing type of ground. Well, that's a depreciation for environmental farming. Um, but environmental farming and commercial farming can live side by side, you know, as long as it's, it's all, that they're both, they're both respected and they're both, you know, done within regulation and, and, and performance uh, and, and, and no waste. I mean, it, it, a lot of this is about efficiency and um, efficiency, te- technical gains, hitting key indicators, but also um, lifestyle, you know, that, that, that's, there's a system there, the one, one person operation, that one person can go manage the cattle on each, any farm and load up an animal or inject an animal as need be, you know, that the farm is mainstream for that. And even the home farm, I know I mentioned the old farm there being paddocked, but the home farm was 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 divided up as well um, to manage the cows better as well. So that's you know it's 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 it's, it's coming on an awful lot now in fairness. Um and obviously breeding is a big part which with James's farm as well, like, you know, in terms of the quality of stock just coming through. Okay, very good. So what are the main areas you're going to focus on in the farm walk? Yeah, we keep, we can't we can't focus on everything. So um, the, the, I suppose the three areas on today um, we have just Dunphy down from the grass ten team um, along with Ken, Ken and Farrell, and um, basically they're going to talk about um, grass springtime grass management. So pre grazing covers, post grazing covers, fertilizer allowance, um, how many days ahead that the grass should be versus what's going out, and the conditions remain. You know the, the ground conditions, management and ground conditions. So grass is one. Um, it was one we can't ignore this time of year. Number two was breeding. So uh, James and Joanne they they purchased a new a new stock bull actually this year. So he'll be on the farm to see on the day um, a good limousine and a good focus on terminal sires. The the the, the, the cows have a high replacement index. Um, but he also they they also use um, AI for, on, on the maiden heifers. So the what what AI bulls are going to be looking at this year and why they're choosing. So just to get people in the mindset if you're looking at AI, what to look out for. Um, and so, so that's breeding is on the second stand, and the third stand, and, and the third main topic on the day obviously would be um, closing ground for silage. So, will there be enough ground closed? You know, when does James and Joanne plan on cutting the silage? How much fertilizer is going to go, and when? 
uh, how they're going to manage the ground and will it be enough for the, for the firm. Um, they've been taking silage analysis for the last four years. I, I, historically, um, yeah, silage was, was all over the shop. You would have had traditional hay meadows and, you know, various different things. But in, over the years, they've um, they've gone from, you know, the, a mixed silage quality in the farm to last year consistently. Everything was over 70 DMT. So it's massive gains they've made there. But by doing it, by, by getting the silage results, they had something to focus on and and they'd be kicking themselves if the results dropped and they'd say, how did that go wrong? So just, there, there is that journey as well here. There's a lot, um, there's a lot of a lot of changes in this farm, but changes that are moving in the right direction. Okay, very good. Uh, a lot of interesting and relevant topics there, you know. It's from now on. Farmers will need to know what fertilizer to put out in their silage ground and try and try and get to graze it. I know weather conditions are not favorable at the moment, but maybe you might just give us a mention of when the walk is again and uh, um, and where me- maybe people can find out more details, Thomas. Yeah, so the walk, Keith, is on is on Thursday the 21st of, of March at 2pm. Um, the, the farm is in a place called Bay Nevin, O'Brien's Bridge, which is just a few miles from Kalu Town. There is an air code, um, V94VW1H. So that's V94VW1H. You can get details. It'll be on social media, it'll be on Twitter, it'll be on Instagram and the various different and WhatsApp groups from that side. But for anyone that wants to be sure, um, and it's worth doing this, um, go into Chagas website. And on the Chagas website, just, just just click on events and just go down, scroll down to 21st of March and there you'll see it. It'll be, and, and the details of it will be there. But also when you're in the Chagas website, maybe just go into the environmental page click on signpost program, click on demonstration farms, and um, from demonstration farms you'll find the future farm program. Um, all demonstration, hundreds of them are there, but you'll find James and the future farm program. And there's monthly updates for the last three years gone up uh, for James. Everything that's gone on the farm for the last three years is there for everyone to see. So there's, there's a bit of nice reading in the background if, if anyone wants to, wants to check that out. Um, yeah, I suppose um, just one other point there, Keith, when I have you on the phone there, because it's, it's the same day as I know there's actually a farm walk up in Claremorris, so it might be a long way for the lads in North Galway to travel, but they have the option of going to another grass walk in Claremorris at half three on a farm called Paddy McGing's, which you'll find under under the same website, let's say, under events. Very so good. just, to, 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 to good, a good day to leave the farm if, if the cows allow you. Very good. Thanks very much, Thomas. Appreciate your time. Country Life, brought to you by Balnasloe, Gortz, Lockray and Joom Credit Unions. Personal lending, from small to big, for the special occasions in life. We have the finance to suit you. Check out your credit union today. Balnasloe, Gort, Lockray or Joom Credit Unions. Credit unions in Ireland are regulated by the Central Bank. Terms and conditions apply. So next up on Country Life, we're delighted to have Maureen Kilgore from the Irish Agroforestry. Um, so Maureen, you might tell us maybe a little bit about Irish, the Irish Agroforestry Forum and uh, why you're running a, a walk in Hedford. Hi Keith, thank you very much for inviting me to talk to you today. Um, the Irish Agroforestry Forum was set up in 2020 and the idea behind it, I suppose, was driven by the shared vision of a wide range of stakeholders. Um, The stakeholders included farmers, researchers, policymakers and an environmentalist. environmentalist. And the the forum brought all these groups together to work together to promote trees on farms. Um, As an organisation, we really, uh, what we do is we facilitate knowledge transfer and information sharing between farmers, first and foremost, but also between policymakers and farmers and advisors. And one of the most important things that we emphasise is that information has to go in both directions. 
for us to be able to promote trees on farms. So information from farmers all the way up to policymakers and from policymakers down um, in order to make the, the policy be effective. Um, we ha- Having the right information helps farmers to understand the reasons why they should plant trees on their farms. Um, it helps policymakers draft better policy that's more effective and helpful. Uh, so the forum's role is to connect all the people and help facilitate the flow of information to where it's needed and allow us to promote trees on farms and sustainable farming. We always emphasise the most important thing here is that farmers need to make a living and they need to be able to farm and we have to find ways for trees to go on their farms for the benefit of their farm enterprises and financial benefits as well, I suppose, because they need to be able to um, make a livelihood from their farming enterprises. The walk in Headford really is to demonstrate agroforestry for farmers, show them what it's like, how it might fit with their farming enterprise and also their finances and for them to get the real story from the farmer, uh, what worked and what didn't work. Okay, very good. And what is agroforestry for maybe some farmers that might be unfamiliar with the, the term? So yeah, farm uh, agroforestry is different to what we know is traditional forestry. So agroforestry is the integration of trees into farming systems. It combines tree cultivation, but really what we'll call tree the growing of trees, along with crops and livestock and our livestock. And it's mainly livestock in Ireland. We have a small t- uh, tillage sector. Um, if we think of traditional forestry, it was often planted on an out farm or on one part of the farm, it was planted, the gate was closed, and it was not seen as part of the working farm. Agroforestry allows trees to be planted into productive agricultural enterprises for the benefit of the environment, which we know, carbon sequestration, all multifaceted benefits. There's um, soil benefits, uh, animal welfare benefits, and then uh, financial benefits. Now, the financial benefits are both from the, the profits that are available from the tree crop itself, the increased profits for the agricultural enterprise because the trees are bringing a uh, shelter, improved soil, uh, improved environment. It allows lower inputs in the future and in the future we may see higher market prices for goods produced from agroforestry. Okay, very good. Uh, and what, what grants are available then uh, for the farmers? The grants at the moment, so under the last afforestation uh, programme, there were there were pilot agroforestry farms in Ireland. I think there were five of them. And they were very successful. And as a result, under the new afforestation programme, 2023 to 2027, the department have rolled out a suite of agroforestry measures of various types. But the main one is a silvopasture system measure, FT8. And there is a, a, a huge increase really in grants. They've increased by about 30% the premiums that are available to farmers. The establishment grant has increased. That's 8,555 uh, 8, per hectare for the establishment. I think they get two thirds of that the first year and a third of it at year four, as long as the trees are growing and the, the plantation is managed properly. And then the premium is 975 euros per hectare per year for 10 years. Now that's actually really high and it's the highest I know of in the EU. Um, and to put it into perspective, 
you'll know the basic income support for sustainability payment for a farmer as long as they have entitlements and they're satisfying the base requirements is 180 euros per hectare but agroforestry can bring them 975 euros per hectare for 10 years on top of that basic payment at the present time. And they can still get that base on top of that then as well, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it actually allows them to get base organic payment and agroforestry payment together. The only payment they don't get with it is ANC payment. Okay. And what are the most important things, I suppose, farmers should keep in mind when considering, you know, adding a little bit of agroforestry to their farm? I think the important thing, farmers need to see how it'll fit so they can continue to farm and produce quality food, which we do really well here in Ireland, and all to avail from the benefits the trees can bring to their whole farm enterprise. And on a very simple level, that could be more shelter on a farm, it could be improved soil, but all the while they need to see how these trees can fit into the enterprise they already have functioning and how you know efficiently, most likely, it's working, um, but they could use these or benefit from these other things. So that's important. Um, the design of the system, the type of trees they'll grow, where they'll go on the farm. The farmers also need to consider the financial aspects and that's the grant rates, so the extra money that they're going to get. Um, how it's going to work with their existing farm payments, I mentioned there like that they mightn't get ANC payment. However, they will be eligible for organic payment. and they, So they need to see how they, those pay, support payments will work and their forestry advisor and their agricultural advisor can, ad, can give them advice on that and that's really, really important for them to keep that in mind when they're making a decision. The other thing they need to look at for some farms, it's not all farms, but when uh, you plant trees under the afforestation programme at 400 trees per hectare, that land is then designated forestry land. And for some farmers, that is something they need to take into consideration when they're deciding to put certain parts of their farm into agroforestry. And it's really important that they talk to their forestry advisor and their agricultural advisor and potentially their accountant in regard to that. Okay. And have you any more events coming up uh, over the next couple of months? Yeah, we've we've been quite lucky actually to receive some funding under the recent forestry promotion funding that was advertised to run an agroforestry education and promotion program. And we also have funding under the Department of Agriculture organic promotion funding for uh, promotion of organic food from agroforestry systems. So we have up to, I think, 16 farm walks happening between now and the end of October. Um, we have two of them currently advertised. That's one in Clare and one in Hedford. But we'll be have loads of events coming out, um, you know, for later in the spring and over the summer. Some workshops, um, online events, some webinars, and all that. Inf- all all links to those and booking links and registrations will be on our website, which is www.irishagroforestry.ie. Okay, very good. Tell us more about the one in Hedford. I suppose that's the one that'll probably be the closest to us here in Galway. Yeah, so the the site in Hedford was one of the original um, pilot agroforestry sites. Uh, It's Killian Barley's farm um, and he planted, I think there are actually two plots there. The one that they're going to see for the agroforestry walk is 2.8 hectares. Um, It's four years old, so I think it was planted around 2020 now. It was the Killian used Greenbelt Limited to do the his agroforestry application and the plantation design, and they also managed the plantation for him. Um, 
the importance, it's really good to see actually because it, it's, well, we have a lot of sheep in this country. There's a lot of sheep farmers interested in agroforestry and Killian is grazing his agroforestry with sheep. He uh, is very experienced. He can tell the real story, what worked, what didn't work, why he used guards a certain way. Um, and on the walk that day, actually, we'll have, we'll have lots of information there. But importantly, Killian will be there. Uh, forestry advisors will be there. Somebody from the department will be there and possibly somebody from Greenbelt. So farmers will be able to get everybody's perspective on what worked and what didn't work and, and, and get advice. Okay, and can anyone join the forum or how can people do that? Yeah, so anyone can join the forum. So our membership is made up of about 65% farmers and out of the, the, the other 35% then they're made up of researchers, members of the public, we even have some secondary school students. Um, and it's a broad range. People, uh, we, as I say, we're, we're mainly facilitate information and knowledge sharing. So that's our, our big thing. People can become members and they can join through the website um, on there. It brings uh, a number of benefits, really. They are able to uh, request information from the forum. They get access to IEF expert knowledge as regards agroforestry. We're lucky enough to, in collaboration with the Woodland Forum in the UK, we have a what's called a GISMail discussion group, which is like an online forum that they get access to. And on that forum... Most of the agroforestry experts, both farmers and academic researchers in the UK and Ireland are on there. So farmers are able to post questions on there. They get free or discounted rates for all our events. And I suppose they can contribute to one of the, one of the main benefits of, of, of membership, apart from us being able to answer their questions and give them information, is for them to contribute towards positive policy change in that they get to voice or share their knowledge and opinions, if you know what I mean, in the forum. Um, and that can affect change just in a, in a, a very positive way where information has been shared, as I said, from bottom up and top down.